Well, once more, good morning. It really is good to see all of you here this morning. I'm impressed. Uh, there are actually more people here for the early service today than I thought there would be. So that's really nice to see. As we start this morning, I want to read a letter that we received, a letter to the church. Um, as most of you know, one of our young men, Evan Beach, is in Georgia in basic training right now. And the reason I'm going to read this letter is that I want you to know what a difference that your prayers make, what a difference that your cards make, what a difference your thoughts make for people who are away from their family and are doing something that's very difficult. So please um, listen to this. Evan wrote, Dearest brothers and sisters in Christ, hello and fondest of greetings. I have now been gone for nine weeks from my family, fiancé, and church. It's hard to leave the ones you love to go to a place of darkness and be the light. Your letters and cards have helped fuel my soul and keep my head on straight. As a great man said, we are known only by our deeds and the cost we are willing to pay for them. I strive every day to be the man of God Heather wants and deserves. You all have had a hand in that, in your grooming of a crazy 15-year-old, now turned into a 24-year-old soldier of Christ in America. You all that haven't been through the military's reconstruction, it is a very hard place to be, but God makes it better. Your love and letters make it better. I miss all of you, the singing, the family, David and Walter's preaching. I, that, he really did write that. I didn't add that myself. These all I somewhat took for granted until I didn't have them. With all that said, I wouldn't trade this for the world. It is setting me up for a great life in God with Heather. I love you all. Be strong in the Lord and in his great power. Your soldier in Christ, Evan Beach. Again, uh, very good to hear what a difference it makes um, when there's a church family that cares about someone and shows that they care about someone by writing cards and letters and saying prayers. So please continue to do those things for Evan as he uh, looks towards the end of basic training. Let's pray together. Father, we do thank you for this day. Father, we do pray that you'll be with Evan and with others who are away from their family, both their church family and their, their physical family. Father, we pray that you'll give them strength and courage Father, help them feel your love and also to know that we love them. Father, help us to act on the impulses that we have to send cards and notes and to encourage them in every way that we can, and also their families um, who are apart from their loved ones. Father, as we enter into this lesson, as we enter into a new series, I just pray, Father, that you'll bless what is said. Father, we trust in the power of your word to act in our lives so that we can become more and more like your son, Jesus Christ. And that's our desire. That's our hope. And, Father, we trust that you will make that happen in each one of our lives. I pray this through his name, Jesus the Christ. Amen. I am very confident that almost everyone here knows our 2014 Netherwood theme, that all may know we are disciples of Jesus Christ. It's a theme that was selected to help us focus on our shared desire to be true, obvious, and consistent followers of Jesus Christ at all times and in all places and in every situation. And we're determined that our theme won't be something to which we just pay lip service. It won't be something that we just place as a heading at the top of our bulletin and then forget about it. We are determined that our theme will inform and direct our studies. And we're determined that it will shape and enrich our prayer lives. And we're confident that with God's help, we will all be transformed more and more 
into the image of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Transformed into whenever, wherever, and whatever Christians. Transformed into followers who are coated in the dust of their master, Jesus Christ. So we started out the new year with a sermon series exploring what it means and what it looks like to be resolute followers of Jesus Christ. And today we begin a new series, a series that's called Come, Follow Me. And over the next several weeks, we'll follow along with Jesus' earliest disciples. We'll follow along as they respond to Jesus' call to come and follow. And as we follow along, we'll see where Jesus led his first disciples. And we'll do that with an eye on what implications and ramifications their journey with Jesus has for us as Jesus' disciples today. We'll start our series today with a look at the call of the very first disciples. And we'll notice their willingness to literally drop whatever they were doing and follow Jesus into an unknown future. Then next week, David will share a lesson with us about the Great Commission and the fact that Jesus' disciples are called not just to follow, but they're also called to go. To go to the lost so they too can become disciples of Jesus Christ. And then in two weeks, we'll follow Jesus into Samaria as he interacts with the woman at the well. And there he teaches us how to deal compassionately with outcasts and outsiders. And then we'll follow Jesus into an upper room. I'm sorry, we'll follow him into a storm. And we'll see how Jesus' presence brings true peace and comfort into our lives. And then in week four, we'll follow him into an upper room for a meal where he sits down with his disciples. And we'll see that eating with Jesus provides the strength and eating with Jesus provides the nourishment that we all need to continue down the path of following him. The next Sunday is our outreach weekend. Will we be reaching out to the community and inviting them in to meet us and find out more about what we do here and find out more about our God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. And that week, we'll follow Jesus to the cross. And we'll see that walking with Jesus often requires us to walk against the winds of public opinion. And it requires us to walk against the winds of peer pressure. And it, it requires us to walk against the winds of fear. And then in our sixth week, which is Easter Sunday, we'll follow Jesus to the tomb. But we won't leave Jesus in the tomb because we'll also follow him out of the tomb. We'll follow him out of the tomb to the life that's promised by God, our Father. And then in our final week of the series, we'll follow Jesus' disciples into the community of the very first church. And we'll see that having Jesus in common means that we have everything in common. So I hope that you'll make every effort to be here so we can take this seven-week journey together. So today, come follow me into the unknown. I don't know about you, but I find the gospel accounts of Jesus calling his first disciples to be some of the most remarkable narratives in the entire Bible. And I find them remarkable because Peter and Andrew and John and James and Matthew act in completely unexpected. They act in completely counterintuitive ways. When I read that, my first response is, where are the questions? They don't ask any questions. They don't ask, what are we going to do, Jesus? 
They don't ask, when are we going to do it? They don't ask, where are we going to do it? They don't ask how we're going to do it. They just drop what they're doing and follow. I'm reminded of the spring break mission trips at Abilene Christian University. During spring break, a large percentage of the student body at ACU goes on various short-term mission trips. And as you would expect, most of the trips are planned down to the very smallest detail. The students, and probably more important, their parents, know exactly where they're going. They know how they're getting there. They know when they'll arrive. They know what they'll be doing once they're there. They know what the sleeping arrangements will be. They know how the meals will be handled. They know what to wear, what to bring, how much money they'll need. They know who the emergency contacts are. They know when they'll be leaving and exactly when they'll return. See, the people who run the spring break break campaigns do everything they can to answer all of the questions that people normally have when they're departing on a trip like this. And those questions are natural. We want those questions answered because knowing those details gives us a feeling of safety. Knowing those details gives us a sense of control. Knowing the where, the what, where, when, and how helps us feel secure. See, the more we know, the less we tend to worry about the unknown. But there's one group of ACU students that does things differently. They have the answers to only two of the questions. The only thing they know when they leave is when they're leaving and when they'll return. And that's it. They simply start out in a van praying for the Spirit to guide them where he wants them to go. And praying for the humility and obedience and faith to follow where he wants them to go. As you might expect, this is the trip that drives parents crazy. Can you imagine the phone call that you might get from your child going on a trip like that? Hey, mom and dad, I'm going on a spring break campaign. We're going to do mission work. That's great, honey. Where are you going? I don't know. What are you going to do when you get there? I don't know. Where are you going to be staying? I don't know. You know, I don't know is not a very satisfactory answer to parents. I don't know. Not satisfactory. We want to know. We feel a need to know. We find security in knowing the details. And that's what amazes me about these first disciples. They didn't know what. They didn't know where. They didn't know when. And they didn't know how. And they followed anyway. Let's turn back to Mark chapter 1. We'll read verses 16 through 20 again. Mark 1, 16 through 20. As Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will make you fishers of men. At once they left their nets and followed him. When he had gone a little farther, he saw James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John in a boat preparing their nets. Without delay, he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men and followed him. Then if you'll skip ahead a little bit to Mark chapter 2, starting in verse 13. Mark chapter 2, verse 13, we read this. Once again, Jesus was out beside the lake. A large crowd came to him, and he began to teach them. As he walked along, he saw Levi, son of Alphaeus, sitting at a tax collector's booth. 
Follow me, Jesus told him, and Levi got up and followed him. Jesus said, come follow me, and Simon and Andrew at once left their nets and followed. Jesus called James and John, and they even left their father in the boat and followed. Jesus said, follow me, and Levi, who we know as Matthew, got up and followed Jesus. You know, thinking about James and John, I wonder if Zebedee asked some of the same questions that parents would ask today. I wonder if, as James and John are walking away, if if Zebedee shouted out, hey, where are you going, John? And John said, I don't know. What will you be doing, James? I don't know. Where will you be staying, John? I don't know. Almost everything was unknown. And they followed anyway. So I think the obvious question is, why? Why did these first disciples drop everything Why did they leave behind everything and follow Jesus? How were they able to move past all the unknowns? What? Don't know. Where? Don't know. When? Don't know. How? Don't know. How were they able to look past all of that and follow Jesus? Well, the answer to those questions is our key point that you'll find in your outline this morning. The key point is this. Following Jesus is placing security in the who. Following Jesus is placing your security in the who rather than the what, where, when, or how. So how were Peter, Andrew, James, John, and Matthew able to look past all the unknowns and follow? Well, I think there's really only one possible explanation. They were able to drop everything and follow Jesus into the unknown because they recognized that knowing who they were following was much more important than knowing what they would be doing. And they recognized that knowing who they were following was much more important than knowing where they were going or when and how things would happen. See, when these first disciples chose to follow Jesus, they placed their security in who they were following rather than the unknowns about their journey. And this is especially remarkable when we consider that they had a very incomplete understanding of who Jesus really was. We need to understand that the cross is in the future. The resurrection is still to come. Yet even in their partial understanding of who Jesus is, they had faith and hope and trust in him. They knew that he was exactly the one to lead them into the unknown. So what do we learn from these first followers of Jesus? Well, I think we can learn a lot, but I want to focus on three things, and you'll find these three things in the so what section of your outline. I want to focus on three discipleship lessons that we can all take away from these stories. The first lesson is that Jesus' invitation to follow is for everyone. Jesus' call didn't focus on the elite. Jesus' call didn't focus on the most educated. It wasn't to the wealthiest. It wasn't to the most powerful. His call wasn't to the most prominent. Jesus chose ordinary people. Jesus chose people like you, and he chose people like me. I love the description of Peter and John that we find in Acts chapter 4. Peter and John have spoken to the Sanhedrin, and after they've spoken to them, 
We're told that when the people saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished. And they took note that these men had been with Jesus. Jesus called unschooled, ordinary people to be his disciples then. And Jesus calls unschooled, ordinary people to be his disciples today. And that's good news for you and me. See, Jesus' invitation to follow is for everyone. Well, the second discipleship lesson for us is that the only prequalification for Jesus' followers is a willingness to leave. The only prequalification for Jesus' followers is a willingness to leave. Really, that's it. That's the only prequalification. What Jesus is looking for in his followers is simply a willingness to leave. That's the only preparation he requires, being prepared to leave. And the reason being willing and being prepared to leave is crucial for being a follower of Jesus is that leaving demonstrates trust in the one you are following. Leaving demonstrates faith in the one you are following. Jesus understands that leaving other things places your security firmly in the hands of the one you are following, Jesus. One of my favorite stories in the Old Testament is a really powerful example of someone who is willing to leave, willing to leave and follow. If you turn to the 19th chapter of 1 Kings, 1 Kings chapter 19 and verse 19. Read with me there about God's call of his prophet Elisha. 1 Kings 19, 19. So Elijah, the prophet, went from there and found Elisha, son of Shaphat. He was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen, and he himself was driving the 12th pair. Elijah went up to him and threw his cloak around him. Elisha then and ran after Elijah. Let me kiss my father and mother goodbye, he said, and then I will come with you. Go back, Elijah said. What have I done to you? So Elisha left him and went back. He took his yoke of oxen and slaughtered them. He burned the plowing equipment to cook the meat and gave it to the people. And they ate. He set out to follow Elijah and became his attendant. There's a man who knew how to leave. Elisha knew how to leave. You know, you barbecue your oxen because you're not going to need them anymore. You burn your plow because you're not going to use it anymore. You say goodbye to your friends and family because you won't be living with them anymore. See, Elisha graphically demonstrated that his faith, that his trust, that his security was going to be in Elijah and Elijah's God. It wasn't going to be in his wealth. It wasn't going to be in his family. It wasn't going to be in his status. It wasn't going to be in his position. No, his trust, his faith, his security was going to be in the one he chose to follow into the unknown. And that's exactly what Jesus is looking for in his followers. Those who are willing to place their trust, willing to place their faith, willing to place their security in him. And they do that by leaving behind the things that previously provided those feelings of security. So we learn that the only prequalification for Jesus' followers is a willingness to leave. 
The third lesson we learn is directly related to the second lesson. And that is that Jesus' call isn't to the prepared, but to those who will be prepared. Jesus' call isn't to the prepared, but to those who will be prepared. See, Jesus didn't call people who knew enough to follow him. And he didn't call people who were experienced enough to follow him. Jesus provided the knowledge after they chose to follow him. Jesus provided the experience after they chose to follow him. Too often, I think we have things completely reversed, upside down, backwards when it comes to following Jesus. Sometimes we take the stance that we'll follow him once we prepare ourselves enough to follow. I'll follow Jesus once I know enough. I'll follow Jesus once I'm experienced enough. I'll follow Jesus once I've saved enough money. I'll follow Jesus once I've accomplished enough in my job. I'll follow Jesus once I've raised my children. But that's not the call that Jesus calls us to. We need to understand that we don't prepare to follow Jesus, but we are prepared by Jesus as we follow. Then there's other times when I think our idea of following Jesus really isn't following Jesus at all. We do things like this. We make our one-year plans. We make our five-year plans. We make our ten-year plans. And we determine how we're going to serve God. And we determine what we want to do. And we decide when we want to do it. And we decide where we want to do it. And we decide how we want to do it. And then we wait for Jesus to take us where we want to go. But that isn't following at all. That's leading and asking Jesus to give you a ride to where you want to go. You see, Jesus' followers don't say, I know where I'm going and I'm waiting for Jesus to take me there. Instead, they say, Jesus knows where I'm going, and I trust him to lead me there. Jesus' call isn't to the prepared, but it's to those he will prepare when they begin following him. Well, let's close with three things. Three things that we can all do now as we follow Jesus into the unknown. The first thing we all need to do is determine what we need to leave behind. We need to determine what needs to be left behind. See, following Jesus means leaving behind the things that keep us from being able to follow like he would have us follow. I don't know what those things are for you, but I know that the three things that Jesus continually warns about being barriers to following him are possessions and ties to family and friends and our position and status in life. And, you know, I think that list rings true today. Possessions, friends and family, position and status in life. So following Jesus becomes a question of, will I let go of my stuff? Will I let go of my relationships? Will I let go of my positions? Will I let go of those things if that's what's necessary in order to follow Jesus where he wants me to go? Jesus continues to call us to leave our entanglements behind and come and follow him. And the only way it's possible to leave those things behind is to allow the one who knows and allow the one who is known to lead us into the unknown. And that's our third point. 
It's only possible to leave those things behind by allowing the one who knows and is known to lead us into the unknown. There's a quote that I really like that Corey Tinboom said. She phrased it this way, and I think we'll pull it up on the screen. She said, Never be afraid to trust an unknown future to a known God. Never be afraid to trust an unknown future to a known God. We may not know where Jesus is leading us, but he does. We may not know the answers to the what, but he does. And we may not know the answers to the when, but he does. And we may not know the answers to the where or the how, but he does. And he is absolutely capable. And he is absolutely prepared. And he is absolutely faithful to take us there. We need to trust the one who knows all and trust in the one who we know knows all because he will lead us into the unknown. Finally, we all need to make sure that we don't place any pre-qualifications on others that weren't placed by Jesus on his first followers. We all need to make sure we don't place any pre-qualifications on others that weren't placed by Jesus on his first followers. Remember, Jesus' call is for everyone. And his only prequalification is a willingness to leave. So we, as followers, must never stand in the way of Jesus' call by placing prequalifications on people that he never placed on them. To those engaged in sexual sin, Jesus says, Leave it behind. And come follow me. To those following false religions, Jesus says, leave it behind and come follow me. To those engaged in addictive and destructive pursuits, Jesus says, leave them behind and come follow me. To those driven by their desire to accumulate more and more, Jesus says, leave that behind and come follow me. To those who spend all their time striving for power and prestige, Jesus says, leave that behind and come follow me. And as followers of Jesus, our call must be the same. must be the same to everyone. Leave it behind and come follow Jesus with me. Well, I want to end by saying that I'm confident that everyone here, everyone here, including me, is struggling with following Jesus into the unknown. That's a struggle. That's difficult. We're all struggling to leave things behind. We're all struggling to place our trust, our faith, our security in Jesus, in Jesus alone. So let me say to you, if you're here and you're struggling with those same things, you're in very good company. And we're glad you're here because we want to struggle down that path together. But I also want you to know that there's absolutely nothing in your past and there's nothing in your present that disqualifies you from following Jesus. There's nothing that disqualifies you you from following Jesus' call to leave the past behind and come and follow him. You just need to be willing to leave whatever stands between you and Jesus and follow him into an unknown future, but a future that is in his hands. So if you're here this morning 
and you want to answer Jesus' call to come and follow, we would really like to help. We would like for you to join us in that journey to follow Jesus. You can do that in a couple of ways. We're going to stand up here in just a moment. We're going to sing a song. You can walk to the front and you can let us know that you want to follow Jesus into whatever your future is. Or if you're more comfortable as we're singing that song, you can walk to the back. There's some people back there that can direct you to room 104. Room 104 is a place where you can find a couple of men, godly men, our elders of the congregation, that would love to talk to you about what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. If you would like to make that known, if you'd like to make that commitment, please do so as we stand and we sing our next song.